welcome to the Madden America podcast, your source for science, psychiatry, and social justice. Welcome to the Madden America podcast. I'm Peter Simons, and I'm a science news writer for the Madden America site. Today, I'm fortunate to be interviewing Dr. Mark Horowitz. Dr. Horowitz is a training psychiatrist and researcher. He is completing his psychiatry training in Sydney, Australia, and has completed a PhD in the neurobiology of antidepressants at the Institute of Psychiatry at King's College London. He is currently a clinical research fellow on the RADAR study run by University College London. His research work focuses on pharmacologically informed ways of tapering patients off medication. He plans to conduct studies examining the best methods for tapering medications in order to develop evidence-based guidelines to assist patients and doctors. Dr. Horowitz is also the co-author, along with Dr. David Taylor, of a recent article on antidepressant withdrawal, which was published in Lancet Psychiatry and which we've written about here at Madden America. Their article suggests that tapering off antidepressants over months or even years is more successful at preventing withdrawal symptoms than the quick discontinuation of two to four weeks. Dr. Horowitz, welcome. Great. Nice to be here. Nice to meet you too. So to start with, I'm curious about what your background is and how you became interested in this subject. Look, my, my background is obviously in psychiatry and research. Um, mm-hmm. I guess as well as being a psychiatrist, I'm also a patient, probably like a few people. And I only really became interested in this topic when I experienced it firsthand. Um, yeah. So after uh, many years of being on an antidepressant, I think at the point I tried to come off, probably I was on it for about 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tried coming off uh, what I thought was relatively slowly, according to the guidelines I was aware of, and ran into all sorts of trouble, um, which was a great surprise to me. I, I'd never heard about withdrawal symptoms from antidepressants, not in medical school, not in my psychiatry training. So when I, when I experienced sort of an incredible insomnia, dizziness, trouble concentrating, um, a very rapidly beating heart, uh, anxiety. I was very surprised by it. I, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it. Um, and in fact, I, I came across an article on the Mental Health website um, where they had reviewed the Favour et al. 2015 uh, systematic review about antidepressant withdrawal symptoms. Mm-hmm. I recognised um, a lot of what was in that paper in my own experience. And that kind of led me on a bit of a journey. So the first time I tried to come off, I actually went back on the medication because I, I just couldn't handle what was happening. It was probably the most unpleasant experience of my life. In fact, it definitely was the most unpleasant experience of my life. And it was actually part of the reason that I ended up moving back from London to Australia. So I kind of then tried to, I'm a bit of a, I'm kind of a bit of a nerdy guy. And um, my approach was to try to read everything I could about, about antidepressant withdrawal symptoms. Uh, I sort of scoured um, the academic literature, clinical guidelines, and found essentially the same message that coming off over two to four weeks was what was recommended with the idea that it may, for some people, it might not, it might need to be longer. Mm-hmm. But there was no detail at all on what longer meant or what slower meant or how to do it. And so I ended up going on patient websites to try to make 
uh, more sense of what was going on. And and the website that was that was far and away the most helpful was Surviving Antidepressants, uh, run by uh, Alto Strata. It's a wonderful resource with with a quite incredible number of people involved in it. There's I think there's hundreds of thousands of posts and tens of thousands of people all talking about experiences that were just like mine. And so it was the first time that I felt that I had a handle on things when I went on that website. And I, I soon learned that people came down off their medication much more slowly than guideline recommended. And I kind of began following their guides, thinking, thinking it's useful that these people are around, but how come I need to go to peer support websites for this? Um, when there are so many doctors and psychiatrists and professors around, why is the best information around on a peer support network? And it was on that on that site that I came across a graph that seemed to make sense of what was happening to people. And that was the graph that uh, I that was sort of the centerpiece of the the article in Lab Psychiatry mm-hmm. that shows this kind of hyperbolic relationship between dose of antidepressant and effect on receptors mm-hmm. so that essentially when you increase dose the the effect is not linear but it sort of tapers off and the main um, relevance of that to tapering off medication is that at very low doses changes happen very quickly at receptors um, so in actual fact when I saw that graph on the website I basically spat my food out because it matched so closely to what people were experiencing in all these people talking about how they were having trouble getting off the last bit of their medication, how they had to slow down. Um, And it sort of fit together so nicely for me, I thought, you know, people should know about this. That that was when I wrote the paper and I reached out to a professor I've worked with in the past who's excellent, and we wrote the paper together. Thank you for sharing your sort of your personal experience with that and kind of how that informed your research interests. That's that's really amazing. And it's it's uh, it's amazing that that it takes someone with that personal experience to be able to to say, hey, there's this big gap in our research literature. Why? Why is that? So um, I'm curious to know if you have thoughts about why is there such a big gap in research literature around getting off of antidepressants? I think there's a few reasons. I think, one, it comes down to the way doctors think. I think had I not experienced the withdrawal syndrome, I would have been very sceptical. I think if patients had come to me and said they get real trouble coming off an antidepressant, I, I I would probably be inclined not to believe them. Mm-hmm. I guess that's because my understanding of antidepressants through sort of medical school and, and training has been they're relatively benign substances that are reasonably effective um, and I'd always regarded them in that way. So if, if people had told me with these benign substances um, they had such serious problems, I would have been sceptical. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons for doctors being sceptical of, of this. I think, two, the psychi- all the psychiatrists I know are very well-meaning people who want to help their patients. Mm-hmm. They also want to feel like they're doing a good job. So I think when there are 
um, critiques or um, anecdotal stories or studies that show that these the, the treatments they're giving are not have, have side effects or aren't as effective as they would like them to be, I think they find that difficult to hear. And I think, three, there has simply not been the same attention given to stopping medication as to starting medication. And mm-hmm. that is that is in part to do with the priorities of the pharmaceutical industry. They run studies in order to get approval for their drugs. So they have a reasonably narrow interest when it comes to medications. And that doesn't necessarily include all the things that are best for patients. So we have the circumstance where there are you know, more than 500 studies on starting antidepressants and less than, less than 10 on withdrawal symptoms from stopping them. And mm-hmm. I think that difference just represents the, the difference in attention from drug companies and from, and I guess from the academic community. So I, I, think, I, think that those, I think some of those elements are why doctors have been so slow to recognise this as an issue. But, but I have to say, I think that is changing. You know, I, I do think patients and advocacy groups have been reasonably effective in their voices heard. And mm-hmm. I do think that, you know, colleges of psychiatry are now paying more attention to this issue. So is there, is there yet, or do you think there will be soon sort of a, a chapter on antidepressant withdrawal in a psychiatric textbook or? I, I hope so. Um, look, I'm aware that in, in, the United Kingdom, which I'm much more aware of than, than in America, there are there are two reviews going on at the moment. The NICE guidelines, which are sort of the national um, guidelines for depression, mm-hmm. is, are being reviewed. And I know as part of that, they're looking at antidepressant tapering and withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And also another review undertaken by Public Health England, which is um, another national body. Again, one part of that is looking at withdrawal symptoms. Whether that will produce um, better guidelines or greater attention, I'm not sure, but it's at least a step in the right direction. So I'm not. I'm a bit uncertain about what the next steps will be. Uh, yeah. I think I think there is evidence that the college is taking um, is paying more attention to the issue. I'm, I'm not sure what tangible steps that will um, that will lead to. What is your sir? What is your hope for how? doctors and the, the medical field might respond because I mean it sounds like from your your personal experience it was the it was the internet and and your support that enabled you to like get the information that you needed about antidepressant withdrawal so I guess what is your hope for the future for for in terms of the medical field understanding this and interacting with with their patients I, I hope they listen more I hope they, you know, I hope they do a few things. I hope they conduct more studies on oral symptoms to try to work out who is getting them exactly, which medications, you know, for how long patients are on them, you know, all the kind of details that, that do need to be worked out. And then, of course, the next step on how to, re- how to avoid them. And I hope that's our paper will be helpful. I think they need to run studies to work out what proportion of patients need to do a very slow taper, what sort of tapering is most effective. I think when they have 
go to studies, it'll be able to inform guidelines and inform the, the everyday practice of psychiatrists. I think in the meantime, because obviously it does take time for those sort of studies to be conducted, I would hope that a little bit more awareness of withdrawal symptoms will mean that psychiatrists discuss issues with their patients in a, in a, in a more understanding way. Because I think, I think I've certainly heard stories of people going to see psychiatrists and having their um, stories of withdrawal dismissed, mm-hmm. told that it's their disease coming back. And, and of course, that is a dilemma. You know, there is always the possibility that an underlying disorder comes back when we stop medication. Mm-hmm. I think there are ways of distinguishing withdrawal symptoms from a relapse, things, funny symptoms like dizziness and electric shocks and how quickly they come back on. So mm-hmm. I hope a bit more awareness of that will, will have an immediate effect on the way that psychiatrists um, respond to patients when they have trouble coming off medication and mm-hmm. not instantly assume that it must be a relapse but rather think about things like tapering slower, which I think is likely to help patients get off without, without as much trouble as they've been having so far. Great, thank you. So your study does talk in great detail about the neurobiological processes that underlie discontinuation. It's pretty technical. Do you think you could summarize some of that sort of for the layperson? I think number one, I think it should be said, the neurobiology is not very well understood. You know, I put together the little bits that were available. I think the broad story is any um, any drug that increases a neurotransmitter in the body will lead to a, a down regulation of its receptors. You know, that's so that's the, the technical word is homeostasis. Mm-hmm. When there's a very loud noise. Your eardrum accommodates so that all noise is, he- is heard as a, as a bit quieter. And the same thing happens in the body. When, it, when a drug like an antidepressant increases the amount of serotonin in the body, the body's serotonin receptors probably downregulate. Now, we put in a few pieces of evidence in the paper that shows that, that is, there is evidence of that, that serotonin mm-hmm. receptors do downregulate over time. It's likely then when you stop the medication and serotonin levels return to normal, that is seen by the body as a lack of serotonin. In the same way as when you walk out of a very loud concert, everything sounds very quiet. (laughs) So when you go off your antidepressant very quickly, you're you're used to high levels of serotonin, suddenly you're down to what is normal for other people but but low for you. And that is, I mean, that is a reasonably simplistic view of what's going on, but that is the dominant idea in the field of why people might feel what they feel. Um, And in some ways, what people feel on withdrawal is similar to when they have uh, serotonin depleted, which which you can do to people by giving them a lack of the precursor in their diet. Some people will develop some low mood. I think one interesting aspect that, that I that I was surprised to find out was um, that serotonin is involved in balance, so that when there is low serotonin, people will experience a seasickness. So that is kind of known in a small study. Mm-hmm. So it's possible, and this is just a hypothesis, that some of the symptoms people get in withdrawal, things like dizziness or the electric shocks in their head when they move their head may be related to seasickness 
because of the role that serotonin plays in that system. Now, I would say all those are kind of speculative. You know, there isn't there isn't the detailed studies to know what is the exact relationship between those different receptors and symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the broad outline. And then one other point, which I hadn't also thought of before, was there are serotonin receptors outside the brain. So there are serotonin receptors in the gut. Um, and, and it's possible that some of the gastrointestinal upset that some people experience may be related to those serotonin receptors. Mm-hmm. That's my neuroscience spiel. That's great. That's a, that's a very clear way of explaining sort of the neurobiology of why certain withdrawal symptoms might happen. And then the other part of your study is sort of an explanation of this nonlinear relationship between as you paper off of the antidepressant, the dose that you have, and it still has a large effect on the neurobiology, even as you're at very small doses. Can you also maybe explain that a little little bit more? So I I think that's one of the main messages of the paper Mm -hmm. is that that graph that I mentioned, that essentially is a it's a brain imaging study that looked at the relationship between doses of antidepressant and their ability to block the serotonin transporter. You know, it's a, it's a, so the serotonin transporter is something that controls how much serotonin exists in between neurons, mm-hmm. and the way that the SSRIs, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, the main class of drugs that are used today work is by blocking that transporter and that increases how much serotonin is is in between the synapses. The graph is a hyperbola, which people might remember from from high school. It's sort of like an upside down U, so that as you increase the dose, it starts rising very quickly and then it kind of tails off. but the, the, I think that the punchline is that very tiny doses of antidepressant, and by, by tiny I mean as little as one fortieth or one fiftieth of a normal dose. So, for example, if 20 milligrams of citalopram is a regular dose, then doses as small as 0.5 milligrams have quite significant effects on that serotonin transporter. Mm-hmm. So, a dose one fortieth the size of a normal dose actually has about a quarter of the effect at the receptor. So I have heard doctors laugh when they hear about how low patients have got before they stop their medication. Mm -hmm. And and they're hearing doses that sound to them trivial. But I think what the brain imaging data shows is that doses that low are not trivial. And so for me, it's about how big the jump is to zero. So I'll work through a, a brief example. If you're on citalopram, for example, and you halve your dose, then you've actually only gone down a very small amount in terms of the effect on receptors. Mm. But if you then go from that half dose to zero, you've gone down a huge amount. So just to give some context, when you go down from, say, 20 milligrams to 10 milligrams, you go down less than 10% of the effect. And when you go down from 10 milligrams to zero, you've gone down more than 70%. So this, this then gives a guide to what evenly going down means. So I think lots of people think that evenly going down would be like going down from 20 milligrams to 15 to 10 to 5 and then to zero. 
and that's evenly going down along dose. But what we argue in the paper is that going evenly down means going evenly down at effect at receptors. So, and in, 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 in practice, what that means is you go down by increasingly small amounts. So, for example, going down from 20 to 10 to 5 to 2.5 to 1.25 to 0.6 to 0.3 before stopping. So, so apology for all the, the numbers, but the, the point is that in order to have kind of evenly spaced out withdrawal symptoms, you probably need to make the jumps smaller and smaller. And what is so interesting about that is that is what people online have kind of worked out when they recommend going down by a percentage of a dose every month, that achieves a very similar effect to what I'm describing. And, and so I guess the punchline for people who don't want to go through lots of graphs is go down slowly and go down to a very small amount of medication before you stop. Great. That's a very, very clear explanation of that. I appreciate it. So I guess I'm also curious about where we're going from here. What's been, have you had a good response to this study? How have people responded? Yeah, well, it's been interesting. I have uh, received a lot of appreciation from patients who, I guess, recognize the, the technique that we describe as being something that they've used. And I guess mm-hmm. like seeing what they've experienced validated by by the science and by, and by a, um, a publication. I've had several psychiatrists write to me to ask for the paper and the appendices uh, with a plan to help them taper patients off their antidepressant, which is which is good. That's the intention. But the Royal College of Psychiatrists, the British um, College in in, in Britain. Um, has put in a couple of comments in a couple of uh, news articles where they've, I would say, cautiously welcomed the paper. They've identified that it explains the pharmacology of the medication and makes it a bit clearer um, why patients might be experiencing the symptoms they experience on low doses. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, they seem to be uh, calling for more attention to this issue. So... In, a, in an article in the Daily Mail, um, the spokesperson for the Royal College said that the college identifies that withdrawal symptoms from antidepressants is a problem. Mm-hmm. And I hope this is a signal that they will give this more attention. There certainly has been a lot of attention on this issue in the UK. There was um, a recent program on the BBC. There have been a number of articles published in... in um, journals that have got a lot of attention in the British media. So I, I do think this is something that is you know, in, in, the, in the public's eye and in the college's mind. So, so I would say the response has so far been, been positive, and that's both from um, patients as well as from doctors and the Royal College. So I, I hope that that means that, that there, there might be some forward movement in this. Great, yeah. And for you personally, I, I know that you're involved in the the radar study, which is a study of discussion on antipsychotics. Is that right? So it's, it's that's right. So it's a, it's a it's a very interesting study that is um, trying to replicate an earlier study, a wandering study done in Holland to see if you lower uh, antipsychotics in patients with a chronic psychotic illness slowly, 
Can you avoid a significant increase in relapse? And in the long term, can you improve their social functioning? And that's what this previous study has shown, that patients who were withdrawn slowly from their antipsychotics um, in the long term had better social outcomes than patients who remained on their medication. So it's a, it's a fantastic study. Great. What's the timeline on that on that study? It's a, is it a it's a trial that's ongoing right now? Or? Yes. So so it's being run by um, Dr. Joanna Moncrieff, and it will run for another couple of years. So it's a, altogether it's a five year program. So we're sort of in the middle now. Great. And then is uh, your sort of personal work? Are you intending to keep working on antidepressant withdrawal or withdrawal symptoms in general? So. David Taylor and I are working actually on similar papers for a few of the major classes of psychotropic medication. So um, our next paper will be on a pharmacologically informed way to discontinue antipsychotics. And then the, the one following that will be on benzodiazepines. Probably most of my focus will be on antidepressants, but I can see that the the, the graphs uh, and the relationships that we showed for antidepressants is true for other medications. And I certainly think it's a very under-researched area, the, the, the entire idea of how do you stop medication and when do you stop it. So I think there's a lot of data around about when you might start it, but I think the area on when do you stop it, how do you stop it, who should you stop it for, um, is an area that needs a lot more attention. That's where I hope to uh, spend my career. Great. Anything further that, that you wanted to say about your study or about antidepressant discontinuation in general that we didn't get to today? I guess, I guess for, for me, um, the next step that I would like to do is to get funding to test the idea in the, in the paper because mm-hmm. we've put together essentially you know, a, a hypothesis that if patients are to reduce their medication, as we suggest, slowly down to a very low level, in a hyperbolic way, that the withdrawal symptoms will likely be reduced. I think there is some evidence that exists for that, that that studies that taper patients over longer periods of time do show less withdrawal symptoms. That is, Mm -hmm. studies that that, that taper patients over very many months, six, nine, 12 months, show better Mm -hmm. results. There are also studies that show um, that studies that taper patients down to very low doses as low as the ones that we suggest in the paper, also have better results. Um, but I guess to really influence guidelines and to really have the evidence that could be applied to patients, we need to do this study. So we, we want to have a group of patients and compare what the NICE guidelines suggest to do, so reducing over four weeks or perhaps eight weeks, and compare it to our proposed method um, mm-hmm. over, over many months, maybe variably also sort of titrated to the individual so to see what what different people require and i think that that would be that is my next aim is to is to do that study great yeah that sounds like that would be a a huge addition to the research literature around discontinuation i hope that you do get the funding to be able to carry out that study okay thank you again dr mark horowitz for speaking with me today Thank you, Peter. That was that was good fun. Thank you for listening to the Madden America podcast. Visit maddenamerica.com for more news, views, and updates.